Hello everyone, welcome back to The Atomic Hobo. I'm Julie McDowell and this week we're going to look at shelter morality. This was a big debate in America in the early 60s about how you could defend your little fallout shelter and defend your family against any desperate panicked neighbours with no shelter of their own who were begging to be allowed in. Was it okay to use force? Was it okay to use lethal force? We'll even hear of one Texan whose shelter was stocked up not just with tinned goods and water but with rifles and tear gas. So it's obvious what his thoughts were on the matter. The topic of shelter morality was uh, played out in the American media, in local civil defence meetings, in political debates and uh, famously in an episode of The Twilight Zone. During the Cold War, there were no public fallout shelters in Britain, mainly because there was no money, but also because there were very few supplies left with which to build uh, masses of shelters for the public. Everything, um, particularly steel, was going to post-war housing, rebuilding what the Luftwaffe had blown up and building new homes to accommodate the baby boom. There was also, of course, the argument that um, in Britain... There's no point in having lots of shelters against a nuclear war. We're too small, we're too crowded and cramped. Everywhere in Britain is a target, or at least is practically next door to one. So nowhere is safe from either blast or fallout. But America didn't have those problems. Post-war America was rolling in money, and being geographically so huge, there were, in theory, places where you could be safe from the initial blast and fallout. So having a shelter made sense. All you'd have to cope with would be the savagery, destruction and the collapse of civilization when you emerged. But don't blame the shelter for that, it can't do everything. Now in typical American style, lots of companies sprung up who were offering shelters to the American consumer. Mom and Pop might have a lovely suburban home with a shiny car in the driveway, a white picket fence and a neat lawn, but was the home really a safe haven without a family fallout shelter in the backyard? But just as the British shelter was hampered by talk of money, the American shelter was hampered by talk of morality. Now after the Second World War, Americans had to very quickly get used to the idea that they could be attacked, that their mainlands could be attacked, Europeans, of course, were very used to the idea, but to the American public, I suppose it was a bit of a shock. The ocean had always kept them safe from an invader, yet here, suddenly, was a weapon which could reach even the smallest, prettiest, most wholesome little town. So, of course, one rational response was, take shelter. If you've got the space in the garden and if you've got the money, you can build a fallout shelter to hide from this weapon. But the very idea of hiding also stirred up some debate. Um, Some people said that the glorious idea of the American dream was being horribly mangled and insulted by the idea of hiding in a shelter. Some commentators were arguing the likes of, was this great nation founded just so we could cower underground? There was a lot of talk of the strong, proud American male, instead of defending his country and fighting, he was becoming a mole or a rabbit. Moles and rabbits pop up quite a lot in this debate. Some people said the very notion of hiding underground was like 
evolution in reverse. We're supposed to be strong and brave, but no, here we are scuttling back into the caves, back into the darkness. Now, um, weary British people who just survived the Blitz might have scoffed at that kind of nonsense. You know, obviously, if bombs are falling, it, it makes sense to take cover. But as it was all relatively new to the Americans, it was quite discomforting. Shelter building will make us soft and cowardly, some people said. Uh, the book One Nation Underground has a brilliant chapter on this very topic. And it quotes um, a lot of angry commentators and journalists, who, one of them who said, quote, a reversion to caveman barbarism. That's what um, the trend to build shelter represented. A reversion to caveman barbarism. But um, beside the debate on whether fallout shelters would reduce red-blooded American men to little moles and little frightened rabbits, was the debate on protecting yourself and your shelter from other people, from your frightened neighbours who hadn't built a shelter. So American fallout shelters, they were all individual enterprises. Um, In Britain, we know that people would huddle together in public shelters, either in the streets where there'd be hardened concrete structures built for them or down in the underground stations, for example, of the tube. But fallout shelters, the ones which provoked these debates, were private things. Um, Families would build their own. Kennedy had introduced public shelters in cities and there was some government funding for them, but they were really just basements under office blocks, somewhere for the workers to run if the city was hit, for example. But families in the suburbs, the ones who arguably had a chance of survival because they wouldn't be in a target city, they were encouraged to buy and build their own shelters. But if you've built your own, if you've built it with your own hands, with your own hard-earned money, and you've got space only for mom, pop, junior and little Sally... Then what do you do when your frantic neighbours come pounding on the door begging for entry? The Simpsons covered this very topic, um, the answer being you simply swing wide the door and let everyone in, even if that means there's no room left for you. But that nice and simple answer only applies if the bunker owner is the absurdly pious Ned Flanders. The real world would be rather less forgiving to those who'd admitted to or couldn't afford to build their own shelter. And so up popped the question of shelter morality in American discourse. Is it Christian to allow your vulnerable neighbour into the shelter? Or, by doing so, are you denying food, air, space and safety to your family? Is it fair to bar the door to your friends and neighbours? And what does a good and godly American do when those friends and neighbours try to force their way in? Should you look after your neighbour or should you look after yourself? So we know what Ned Flanders would have done, but the Twilight Zone um, had a more realistic response in their famous episode called The Shelter, which was broadcast in 1961. This is about um, a nice, sensible chap called Bill, and he's built a fallout shelter in his basement. His neighbours, though, haven't bothered. They were all too cheery and optimistic, and they just didn't get round to it. And of course, they're all gathered at Bill's house one evening, having a birthday party, celebrating how great Bill is when an alert comes over the radio that missiles are incoming. And in that moment, Bill, of course, and his family retreat to the shelter, and the nice, decent folk who were gathered round Bill's dinner table start to get panicky, start to scream and fight and demand access to Bill's shelter. Can I bring Martha and the kids over here? Over here? 
Well, we're, we're sitting ducks over there. Sitting ducks, we don't have any protection at all. Oh, Jerry. You can use our basement. Your basement? What about your shelter? We've got to get into a shelter. It's the only place we can survive. I don't have any room, Jerry. There's not near enough room or supplies or anything. It's designed for three people. Well, we'll bring our own food. We'll bring our own water. We'll, we'll sleep standing up if necessary. Please, Bill, you've got to help me. I've got to keep my family alive. We won't use any of your stuff. What about air? That's a 10 by 10 room, Jerry, with an air filter designed to supply three people. Will you bring your own air? Well, just, just give us a chance. No, 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 no. 48 no. hours, Bill, then we'll get out. When that door gets closed and locked, it stays closed and locked, Jerry. There'll be radiation and heaven knows what else. Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry. As God is my witness, I am sorry. But I built that for my family. Well, what about mine? What do we do? Just rock on the front porch? That's, that's no concern of mine. Right now, at this given moment, it's my family I have to worry about. Do you think I'm going to stand by and watch my wife and children die in agony? I'm not going to do it. Do you understand, Bill? I'm not going to do it! Now, arguably, Bill's big mistake was letting his neighbours know that he had a shelter. Um, some people in America did build them, but tried to do it very secretly. I don't know how you would keep that quiet. Building a shelter at the foot of your garden. Um, I have read of people who had a swimming pool installed or who had some basement alterations made, and that was just a front. So I suppose it's not impossible to build one at the foot of your garden and keep it quiet from the neighbours. But poor Bill's neighbours knew about it, and of course they all turned up when the sirens started. Hysterical becoming um, almost like animals, dying to get into shelter, fighting with one another, turning into a violent mob, as this clip shows. Can you slam the door right in my face? Well, go back. I can't. Jerry, ask him again. Let's go. Jerry, ask him again. Ask him again. Please, I, I don't want to you be here. The please, the only let's place. go home again. There's no please. Slam. It'll land any minute. I just know it'll land any minute. You won't let anybody in. Oh, what'll we do? I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to find one basement to go to work on that. Pool all of our stuff, food, water, everything. I tell you, it just isn't fair. He's down there in a bomb shelter, perfectly safe, while I kids have to sit around and wait for a bomb to drop. Why don't we just go down to his basement and break down the door? Frank, Frank, wait a minute, Frank! So some people kept their shelters at the bottom of the garden secret because of the fear that it might be invaded by terrified neighbours. But there was also the fear of refugees from the city who would come and swamp small towns and villages as evacuees. And so we had the question of morality. You know, do we help refugees? Do we help our neighbours? If we do, does that mean that we die? Now, some people were very clear on the topic. There was absolutely no question of morality for them. It was simply very black and white. The book uh, One Nation Underground, which I mentioned earlier, quotes a man who lived in the Chicago suburbs and he seemed very clear on what to do and very ready to repel any invaders. He said, When I get my shelter finished, I'm going to mount a machine gun at the hatch to keep the neighbours out if the bomb falls. I'm deadly serious about this. If the stupid American public will not do what they have to to save themselves, I'm not going to run the risk of not being able to use the shelter I've taken the trouble to provide to save my own family. And there's a man from Austin, Texas, quoted in the same chapter, who seems to have the same philosophy. He boasted of all the guns and tear gas that he had down in his shelter, and he gestured to his shelter's thick wooden door and said, this isn't to keep radiation out, it's to keep people out. And in the same vein, um, a local town meeting was held in Hartford, Connecticut, to discuss this matter. And it produced some 
I suppose admirable honesty from one resident uh, known here as John. He owned a shelter and his neighbour and good friend asked him at the meeting what he'd do if she and her baby begged to be let in. It would be too bad, he said. You should have built a shelter of your own. I've got to look out for my own family. But what if we had built one, she said. But the blast had blocked the entrance with rubble. What then? Would you let us in? No, he said. Suppose I wouldn't go away and kept trying to get in. Would you shoot us? John said that if the only way he could keep his friend out would be by shooting her and her baby, he would have to do it. So with all this talk of shelter morality, what did the church have to say? An article in Time magazine from 1961 produced a very clear-sighted response from a reverend in Atlanta who said, quote, If someone wanted to use the shelter, then you yourself should get out and let him use it. That's not what would happen, but that's the strict Christian application. But a priest called Father McHugh responded to that in an article called Ethics at the Shelter Doorway. This wasn't in Time, it was in a Jesuit magazine. I'm not sure if their circulation can compare with Time. But he had a very strong opinion on this matter. He said it was ridiculous to say you must love your neighbour even more than yourself and your own family. And that in this interpretation, Christian teaching would run directly against the natural human instinct for survival. He argued it was the height of nonsense to say a man should thrust his family into the rain of fallout when unsheltered neighbours plead for entrance. I have to say I agree with Father McHugh um, for two reasons. One is, as he said, the very human instinct for survival. I've built this shelter, I've paid for this shelter, it's for me and my family. But also there's a practical um, attitude to it. Why should one family turn themselves out into the fallout just so another family can have it? you still end up with one dead family. I also agree with Father McHugh in that it's not very Christian of the invading neighbours to see the original owners left to die just so they can be safe. So why should you give up your shelter to a bunch of selfish, unchristian people? But of course, this was 1960s America, uh, and so lots of people, most people in the religious establishment attacked Father McHugh. They were all in favour of handing over your shelter to others, being very meek. And many of them asked, what kind of society will we emerge to if the only survivors are the type of cruel, cold, unchristian folk who deny shelter to their neighbour? So the debate seems to be, love thy neighbour, love them even more than you love yourself, even though that goes against human nature. Turn your family out into the fallout just so you can save next door's family. Doesn't make sense to me, but then I'm not a religious person. But nonetheless, maybe I'm cynical, I can't help thinking these nice, decent Christian teachings would just be swamped by the human instinct for survival. People, surely, would want to look after themselves and their family. That seems very obvious to me. But nonetheless, the religious establishment in America at least were saying, be meek, be Ned Flanders, love thy neighbour more than you love yourself, and step outside, please. Let your neighbours have your shelter. Now, of course, even though I'm quoting Ned Flanders in The Simpsons, I'm not making light of it. I know that this is a horrible topic, especially if, 
as I imagine it was in the 1950s, 1960s suburbs in America. People were, or at least the popular image of it, is that friends and neighbours looked out for one another. It's a era, of course, which is often idealised, but maybe there's a kernel of truth in it. Would it be easy to simply lock them out, knowing that the fallout was about to descend and that you were basically you were leaving them to die? It's a very ugly topic, it's horrible to think of, and the government realised that too. Uh, in fact, the book One Nation Underground argues that the debate became so fierce and so nasty and so uncomfortable, it actually shifted the policy of the government. Kennedy switched from encouraging families in the suburbs to build their own shelters to creating better and more plentiful public fallout shelters. As we mentioned at the start of the podcast, these were big communal shelters, usually in the basements of large buildings, and there were some small government grants to arrange them, empty them out, prepare them, and stock them with food and water. But that didn't solve the morality question. Even if you turn away from the idea of one family looking out for itself in its own private shelter, even if you switch that to the whole town being lovely and helpful and decent looking after one another, even if the whole town can huddle in the local public fallout shelter, what does the town do when refugees from the city arrive? We've got the same situation, haven't we? Only on a larger scale. You have evacuees, desperate, sick, starving, demanding to be let in. You still have the question of access. You've still got the issue of, will we share space with outsiders? But in this case, the outsiders are numbered in the hundreds or thousands, and they've probably fled a devastated city. So they'll probably be highly contaminated, filthy, unwashed, hysterical. Are you going to swing the door open and let hundreds of them in? Again, unlikely, but the debate wasn't quite so spiky when it moved to when it moved away from the idea of one family looking after themselves with one father at the doorway of the bunker with a gun. The debate softened slightly when it turned into the idea of the town looking after themselves. For some reason, one town defending themselves against panicked uh, refugees wasn't quite so controversial or so uncomfortable, even though the same principle underlies it, surely. In Bakersfield, California, the chief of police was uh, very alive to this subject. He said... The greatest danger to his citizens was not the bomb, but the refugee from Los Angeles. They must not come here, he said. They must be stopped south of town and shown a route to some kind of refuge on the desert. Now, who's going to build that refuge? Who's going to stop them um, flooding into Bakersfield? Local police officers, he said. We have plenty of them and they're expendable finishing up now i just want to thank you again for listening and if you want a reading list for this week's episode i'll put a link on my twitter account you can find me there at julie a mcdowell but if you don't have twitter i will put it on a blog i've got which is also called the atomic hobo you can find it easily just by googling atomic hobo blog and we'll close this episode with the ending to that famous twilight zone Fans of the series will know that Rod Serling, the creator, always stepped in at the end of each episode to deliver a little lesson on what we've just seen. So here's Rod Serling with the conclusion to The Shelter. No moral, no message, no prophetic tract. Just a simple statement of fact. For civilization to survive, the human race has to remain civilized. Tonight's very small exercise in logic from the Twilight Zone.